0: The wise King Solomon constructs the temple in Jerusalem. And Israel is filled with joy as God shows his approval with fire. On the Bible Brief. Want more Bible learning content like this? Sign up for our newsletter and follow us on social media. Links are in the show notes. The wisdom of Solomon was known far and wide, as the king became famous by God's blessing on him. He had begun to write his proverbs, and he dispensed justice from his throne over Israel. Solomon was wearing his father's shoes, and he was wearing them well. Perhaps one might even have whispered at the time that Solomon was an even better king than David. Sure, David had defeated the enemies in the land and expanded the territory, but Solomon, Solomon was the one who truly enriched Israel during his reign. Solomon was famous and successful, but he still had one major accomplishment left undone, the most important project of his life. He still needed to begin building the temple of God. His father David had wanted to build God a house, but God had said that it would be David's son who would build him a house instead. Solomon was convinced. He was the son of David who would build this magnificent temple for God. So to fulfill his father's legacy, and in the hopes of fulfilling the Davidic covenant, Solomon got to work. First, he prepared. His father David had gathered amazing amounts of materials for the construction of the temple. Gold, silver, bronze, cedar, and many other necessary items to begin the construction. But Solomon needed more. One of his first acts in the process was to acquire even more supplies for the construction, and for that he looked north. There was a friendly kingdom to the north of Israel, led by an ally of David named Hiram. Hiram led the kingdom of Tyre, and Solomon appealed to him for additional supplies. He says this to Hiram in Second Chronicles chapter 2. The house that I am to build will be great, for our God is greater than all gods. But who is able to build him a house, since heaven, even highest heaven, cannot contain him? Who am I to build a house for him, except as a place to make offerings before him? So now send me a man skilled to work in gold, silver, bronze, and iron, and in purple, crimson, and blue fabrics, trained also in engraving, to be with the skilled workers who are with me in Judah and Jerusalem, whom David my father provided. Send me also cedar, cypress, and algum timber from Lebanon for I know that your servants know how to cut timber in Lebanon. And my servants will be with your servants to prepare timber for me in abundance, for the house I am to build will be great and wonderful. Hiram replies to Solomon with enthusiasm, saying, Blessed be Yahweh, God of Israel, who made heaven and earth, who has given King David a wise son, who has discretion and understanding, who will build a temple for the Lord and a royal palace for himself. Hiram would aid Solomon in his construction, providing labor and supplies as needed. In total, Solomon would have a workforce of well over a 150,000 men who would work in shifts, cutting wood, carving wood, cutting stone, hauling stone, among many other jobs. The project was huge, and Solomon had made a beginning. We continue reading in chapter 3. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David his father, at the place that David had appointed on the threshing floor of Arunah the Jebusite. He began to build the second month of the fourth year of his reign. He overlaid it on the inside with pure gold. The nave he lined with cypress and covered it with fine gold and made palms and gold chains on it. He adorned the house with settings of precious stones. So he lined the house with gold, its beams, its thresholds, its walls, and its doors. And he carved cherubim angels on the walls. It had been 480 years since the people of Israel came out of Egypt in the great Exodus. 480 years, first led by Moses, then Joshua, then the judges, before the age of the kings began with Saul, David, and now Solomon. Nearly half a millennium since those Abrahamic covenant promises began to find fruition. The nation had come into the land of Canaan. They had become a multitude of people. And here, Solomon was building something intended to be a blessing not just to Israel, but to all the nations. A place where people from all over the world could come to seek God's presence and pray to Him. It was a wonderful project. The temple was completed with a stone and cedar foundation and frame overlaid with olive woods, gold, and carvings. There were beautiful gold chains, carvings of open flowers and palm trees, representations of cherubim angels throughout. There was furniture and floral candlesticks and tools for performing the temple service. It was a place where the priests could work and keep the temple, as Adam and Eve were commanded to work and keep the Garden of Eden. In fact, this temple was a picture of that garden long ago a place of God's presence, of material abundance, and a place unapproachable because of the cherubim guarding the entrance to it after the fall of man. It was as if this temple was a microcosm of the Garden of Eden, a building that encapsulated not the story of the nation, but the story of the world. It was a place where God's presence would dwell in the holiest part of the temple, only approachable once a year by the high priest, and only with the blood of an innocent animal. Just as God had slain that first animal to provide coverings for Adam and Eve in the garden, so here the priests would slay animals to provide atonement coverings for their own sins and for the sins of the people. God's plans that he'd given David were followed by his son Solomon, and what resulted was a picture of the past and perhaps a reminder of the great promise. One day, this holy place would be opened again, when the promised seed of the woman finally destroyed evil once and for all. One day, atonement would be accomplished with no more blood needed for shedding. But that day was a long way off. Solomon's next task was to put the Ark of the Covenant in the completed temple. God's house was complete, and now the Ark would be placed in the house that Solomon had built for God. We read this in Second Chronicles chapter 5. A magnificent scene where God descends upon the temple as he had descended upon Mount Sinai 480 years prior. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the fathers' houses of the people of Israel, in Jerusalem, to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And all the elders of Israel came And the Levites took up the ark and they brought up the ark the tabernacle and all the holy vessels that were in the tent the Levitical priests brought them up and King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who had assembled before him or before the ark sacrificing so many sheep and oxen that they could not be counted or numbered then the priests brought the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house in the most holy place underneath the wings of the cherubim. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets that Moses had put there at Sinai, where the Lord had made a covenant with the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. And when the priests came out of the holy place, and when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, the house, the house of Yahweh, was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord... Filled the house of God. This is an awe inspiring scene of total holiness and joy, all mixed in an ideal worship. You see the holiness and reverence with which they treat the Ark of the Covenant, sacrificing sheep and oxen as the priests carry it into the temple. You also see the joy of singing and trumpets and cymbals, all making music before the Lord and demonstrating his presence among his people. Yahweh descends in a cloud and fills the temple. The cloud had formerly rested upon Mount Sinai, and here God rested in the temple, in his city, among his people. After this, Solomon blesses God and blesses the people in his joy at what has just transpired. But after blessing, he turns to prayer. A prayer where he praises God in his transcendence and for his presence. A prayer where Solomon sees himself as the potential fulfillment of the Davidic covenant promises, and a prayer where Solomon pleads on behalf of the people that Yahweh might hear them when they pray toward this holy temple. We read this in Second Chronicles 6, starting in verse 12. Then he knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel, and spread out his hands toward heaven, and said, O Yahweh, God of Israel, There is no God like you in heaven or on earth, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart, who have kept with your servant David, my father, what you declared to him. You spoke with your mouth and with your hand have fulfilled it this day. Now, therefore, O Lord, God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, what you have promised him saying, you shall not lack a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your sons pay close attention to their way, and walk in my law as you have walked before me. Now therefore, O Lord, God of Israel, let your word be confirmed, which you have spoken to your servant David. But will God indeed dwell with man on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this house that I have built." Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Yahweh my God. Listen to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you, that your eyes may be open day and night toward this house, the place where you have promised to set your name, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers toward this place. And listen to the pleas of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. And listen from heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, Forgive. And now, O Lord God, go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let your saints rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. Remember your steadfast love for David your servant. The wise King Solomon prays in utter humility in the context of great triumph. He has spent the last seven years managing the temple construction and leading the hundreds of thousands involved in this monumental task. The Lord has filled the temple and the tabernacle has been decommissioned. Solomon prays that God would indeed confirm the Davidic covenant through him, that he would listen to the prayers of his people Israel and that he would forgive. But he also says something we shouldn't miss. He says, but will God indeed dwell with man on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this house that I have built. Solomon understands that the uncontainable God chooses to particularly make his presence known in the temple, but that he is indeed transcendent above all things. Nothing can contain the God of the universe, not even this magnificent temple. After Solomon's humble prayer, God replies from heaven, As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple, and the priests could not enter the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to Yahweh, saying, For he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. God again comes on the temple with a cloud, in his second attestation that his presence has filled the temple. But more than that, fire comes down from heaven to consume the burnt offering and the sacrifices that the people had made. Yahweh dramatically displays his approval before the people, and the people celebrate. They bring more offerings and sacrifices to the Lord. And all Israel feasted there for many days. And we finally read, On the 23rd day of the seventh month, Solomon sent the people away to their homes, joyful and glad of heart for the prosperity that the Lord granted to David and to Solomon and to Israel his people. Yahweh is with his people. He is in his temple, and he is faithful to his promises. Joy filled the nation as their golden age continued under the great king, Solomon. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.